So the book we'll be looking at today is in Psalms, and it'll be Psalm 46. And the sermon title is The Angel of the Lord. Psalm 46, verse 1. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. Selah. There is a river whose stream makes glad the city of God. The holy, dwelling, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar, the kingdoms tottered. He raised His voice, and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has wrought desolations in the earth, he makes the wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. So in the year 1527, there was a bubonic plague that was sweeping through Europe and Saxony, which is now Germany. And I guess there were thousands, kind of, there were many untold deaths, and many people were fleeing. And as we know it, Martin Luther, you know the song we just sang, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Martin Luther is the one you know, who wrote that. Martin Luther, being a minister who was unsure if, if he should lead his family from this plague, if they should flee the city, leaving the people he ministered to, or stay, or to stay during this difficult plague. And he decided to stay in Wittenberg, Wittenberg until, and turn his house. He turned his house to a hospital. And as a result, his youngest son, his youngest son almost died. And it was said that at that point, uh, at one point, his son during dinner had passed out from the sickness, and they had carried him to the couch. And it was during that time that Martin Luther was meditating on this psalm, Psalm 46. And that's where, that's where we, you know, we get these words. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing, a wall. Our, help, our, our helper amidst the flood or of mortal ills prevailing, for still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth it is not his equal. And then verse 2, and this is the only verse I'll read after this. It says, did we, did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. Were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Thus ask who that may be. Christ Jesus, it is he. The Lord of hosts, his name, from age to age the same. And we, and he must win the battle. 
And I just wanted to tell you guys that short story because we read that all the time. And just let you know that, you know, as I'm preaching through the psalm, to know that that's where it's inspired from. But now, let's, let's look closer at a... Just kind of walk through a little bit of the context that we just read. 2 Kings 18, and we'll just kind of briefly read to some of these passages so we know the context of Psalm 46. This is in verse 13 of 18. It says, Now in the 14th year of King Hezekiah... I mean, how did you pronounce that name, Brady? Snare? I'm just going to say the king of Syria. I'm just going to butcher it every time. Okay, I'm, just, I'm not even going to say it. The king of Syria. <laughs> uh, the king of Syria came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and seized them. So they're, so they're seized. Right? They're surrounded. They're against the wall. And then we see the king of Syria kind of taunting God. It says, do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, make your peace. Sorry, sorry, this is in 2 Kings 18, 31 through 34. It says, do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, make your peace with me and come out to me and eat, and eat of each of his vine and each of his fig tree and drink each of the waters of his own cistern until I come and take you away to a land like your, your own land. A land of grain and new wine, and a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive trees and honey, that you may live and not die. But do not listen to Hezekiah when he misleads you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. Has any of the gods of nation delivered this land from the hand of king of Syria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sapphiram and Hana and Iva? Have they delivered Samaria from my hand? And we also see in 35 and 36, Who among all gods of the lands have delivered their land from my hand, that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem from my hand? But the people were silent and answered him, Not a word, for the king's commands was, Do not answer him. So we see this taunting that the king of Assyria is doing. And then 2 Kings 19, 6-7, as Carl read, says, then, you, then we see the Lord speak to Hezekiah through the prophet Isaiah, and it is said, Thus you shall say to your master, thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Behold, I will put a spirit in him, so that he will hear a rumor and return to his own land. And I will make him fall by the sword. In his own land. Remember that. In his own land. Because God keeps that promise. In his own land. And then 2 Kings 19. 14 through 19. It says. Then Hezekiah took the letter from the hand of the messengers. And read it. And he went up to the house of the Lord. And spread it out before the Lord. Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, who are enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone, above all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see, and listen to the words of the king of Assyria, which he has sent to reproach the living God. 
Truly, O Lord, the king of Assyria has devastated their nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire. For they were not gods, but the works of men's hands. Wood and stone, they have, so they have destroyed them. Now, O Lord our God, I pray, deliver us from his hand that all the kingdoms of earth may know that you alone, O Lord, our God. So we see Hezekiah's prayer. And in 2 Kings 19.33-34, it says, By that way he came, by the way that he came, this is, this, is the, this is the Lord answering him. It says, By that way he came, by the same way he will return. Talking about the king of Assyria. And she, or sorry, and he shall not come to the city, declares the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And then we read just one verse over. Then it happened that night that the angel of the Lord went out and struck 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when men rose early in the morning, behold, all of them were dead. And this is the context of Psalm 46. It's such a, that's just a beautiful story of the Lord delivering His people, just like He has delivered us from sin, has delivered us from death, and many things. But I just wanted you guys to know this so you guys understand the beauty of this. And just, just so you know, I know I've said this before, just as I briefly shared this story before we've sang Psalm 46. But it has been said that, you know, many scholars have argued, even Spurgeon, he says that, that it was this passage, it was this that was prophesied when King Hezekiah had brought his people, right? He has brought his people to see what we see in 35. That they had come amidst of the battle where the king of Syria, where the army was. And what did they see? They see 185,000. The strongest army at that time. The cruelest army at that time. You know, these were men bred for war. These were terrible and wicked men. And they were slain. And it says that the angel of the Lord, right, went out and struck 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And praise God, when we see, when we think of, you know, something like this, usually we would think that God would maybe, I don't know, send not 185,000 angels, but like, I don't know, 50, because maybe they can take out like 100, you know, per angel. But, uh, we know that God doesn't send angels to match the army. He doesn't send, you know, He doesn't flood them. He doesn't swallow them up in the, in the earth. He doesn't strike down fire from above. What does He do? He sends one angel. But it isn't just any angel. It's the angel of the Lord. It is Christ. You know, before Christ came, you know, as Isaiah 53 prophesied that we would see, you know, in the New Testament, before Christ came as a young baby, uh, it says that He had come in the night and slain all of them on His own. And just know these words. Just imagine stumbling upon this, des- you know, this desolation, all these people, just all, all this army just slaughtered. And these words you hear, starting with verse 1, 
God is our refuge and strength, a very present and help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, and though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning, when morning dawns. The, ma- the nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. And verse 8, Come behold the works of the Lord who has wrought escalations in the earth. He makes the war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. And one of the most popular verses that you see on cups on... Facebook, poster boards, you know, if you look up, be still and know that I am God, you will see that everywhere. You will see countless pictures of be still and know that I am God. But honestly, that verse doesn't mean what a lot of people think, right? Because when you come upon an army that is just slaughtered by one angel, by Christ, we don't think of this verse. But this is, this is God's word and this is when it was prophesied. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. So guys, let's look at verse 1. And I really only have three points. I'm going to put verses 1 and 3, 1 through 3 together, verses 4 through 7 together, and verses 9 through... I think it's 11 together. Or 8 through 11. So starting with verse 1. Our first point is called our refuge. God is our refuge in strength. A very present help in trouble. It is not our own strength. Our money, our house, or the armies of this nation. Or the fortress that is our refuge. But it is the Lord. You know, as I was preparing for the sermon, I told Brady earlier that, that I uh, had to restart last night. So I spent all night really you know, prepping for this. And, and uh, there's just one, you know, one quote I've been meditating on. Maybe this is why God just placed it on mine. Paul Washer, he says, he says, The more you rely on the arm of the flesh, the less you will see the power of the Almighty God. And this couldn't be even more true than any and any time when you're in trouble or any time you are in a trial or any time just like you know now as I try to rely on my own strength, my own knowledge, even though I know I'm not that smart. Um, you know, God makes it clear that we must always rely and look to our one and true refuge and strength. And is always near to us, a very present help in trouble. Right? As you see in Psalm 14, verse 6, it says, You would put to shame the counsel of the afflicted, but the Lord is his refuge. And in Psalm 62, 7 through 8, it says, On God my salvation and my glory rest. The rock of my strength, my refuge, is in God. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. He is a refuge for you and me. 
And, man, I don't know how many times, you know, we, we, we tell each other this, we repeat it to each other, we meditate on verses like this. But by the way we act, right, we look to everything else first and you let God be the last option. But know that God is our refuge. That though everything may fail and fall, and a lot of times it will, right, I, uh, I haven't told you guys this, but my journeyman test for the second time I felt it. And, you know, I'm obviously, and I'm disappointed, but, you know, I, I, you know I'm, 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 I'm doing my best. I'm, I'm studying, but I know that if it is God's will for me to pass it, I will. If it's not, I won't. And, man, I just, you know, I rely. You know, I, you know, I, I say to myself, man, you know, I must, I must be doing something wrong or I'm not, trusting, you know, by the way I feel a lot of times I'm not trusting in the Lord, His will for my life, the will for our lives, but I know you know, I, I you know, the reason why this, this exam for me is so important is because I can make more money, and therefore in my mind, I'm like, if I can make more money I can be a, at home with my wife more um, so surely God would want this right, surely God would want this people have told me this, you know you're going to pass, don't worry. You're going to get it this time. And I, uh, you know, I rely on my own strength and my own plans. I'm not saying that trying isn't bad, but I am saying that when you think it's not going to work out, when you think that things are going downhill, and that the refuge that we have built for ourselves with our own hands and our own minds is enough. God makes it clear to us, oftentimes, like I think now in my life, that you know I'm trusting in my own knowledge and my own strength, and I need to trust in Him. I need we need to trust in Him, and so God is our refuge, which really means this: He is a shelter. He shelters us. He protects us. And Psalm. 145.18 right, a very present help in trouble as we see in 46 Psalm 145.18 it says, the Lord is near to call, the near sorry, the Lord is near to all who call upon Him, to all who call upon Him in truth and as Spurgeon points out an obvious truth, I think I often forget, that you may easily forget as well he says, if God is near Hope is near. And if hope is near, help is near. God is near to us. He is our help. He is our shelter. He is our fortress. He is our refuge and strength. The very present help in trouble. I mean, His Spirit lives within us. And so in verse 30, or sorry, in verse 2, Psalm 46, it says, Therefore we will not fear... Though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride, Selah. In Jeremiah 5.22, it says, Do not fear me, declares the Lord. Do not tremble in my presence, for I have, a place, I have placed the sand as a boundary for the sea. An eternal decree, so it cannot cross over it. 
Though the waves toss, yet they cannot prevail. Though, though they roar, they, not, they cannot cross over it. So again, God commands us. He says to us, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea. Can you imagine seeing that? Have we actually witnessed something like that? I mean, I don't know about you, but honestly, I, I probably would be terrified if I was in the midst of something like that. If I witnessed the earth literally changing and the mountains slipping into the heart of the sea, and the waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake. But we must not forget who is literally in control of all this. So brothers and sisters, verse 1, the Lord is our refuge and He is near. And though all of these things happen, and things like these will happen, He is a present help in trouble. So as in the Assyrian invasion, God sheltered the people of Israel, and He demonstrated that He was the source of their protection, which are those who trust in Christ. Right? Who is the angel of the Lord? Christ. So now that we know that He is our fortress, that He is our refuge, in verse 4, second point, He is our stronghold. Verse 4, There is a river whose stream makes glad the city of God. It is a river without end. A river in which Christians above and below here on earth will forever partake in. Here and below. Those who are with Him in glory in us. You. In Psalm, this reminds me of Psalm 1, verse 3. It says, He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaves does not wither. And whatever He does, He prospers. So there is a stream whose river makes glad the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High, which is heaven. Alright, and in verse 5 it says that God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. And just to clear it up, I'm sure you guys probably see this, but when it says her, it's referring to the church, to those who trust in Christ. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. Psalm 125, verse 1-2, through two, it says, Those who trust in the Lord are as Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surrender Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people from this time forth and forever. Forever. And as we see in verse 6, it says, The nations made an uproar, the kingdoms tottered, and He raised His voice, and the earth melted. And the earth melted. Why are the nations in an uproar? As we see in Psalm 2, 1-4, it says, Why are the nations in an uproar? 
and the people's devising a vain thing. The king of the earth takes their stand, or take the kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us tear their fetters apart, cast away their cords from us. And he, the Lord, our Angela, he sits in his heavens, and what does he do? He laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. So when I was reading, you know, verse 5 and verse 6, or, you know, really just this whole passage, seeing just, man, the, the, the power of the Almighty God, that, man, He can melt the earth. It, it'll be nothing. It would be no effort. He can melt the earth. He could bring all kinds of things and just destroy the armies, the people who plot against Him. It reminds, it reminds me of Psalm 2. It says, He sits in the heavens and He laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. It reminds me many times of when me and Brady or any of us would go out to the bus station or anywhere, because I'm sure you've heard it. You know, I've heard it many times when we used to go out evangelizing at the clubs. Many people would say to us, you know, we would say we would plead with them, you know, bow, you know, bow before the Lord. Repent and turn to Him. There is hope. There is salvation. And many times they say, you know, oh, I won't bow. You know, I won't. I'm going to do this. You know, He'll have to make me. And I've heard many times Brady say, oh, He will. Whether it be willing, either you bend the knee to Christ and confess that He's Lord willingly or not. They will. They will. And in verse 7, it says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Which brings me to the next point. The Lord, the last point. The Lord of hosts. I'm just going to read to you verses 8 through 11. It says, Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes the war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. You know, I can imagine the Assyrian army pointing their bows at the angel of the Lord. You know, they... They get all of their army ready, their defense ready. And I'm sure, I'm not sure exactly what that would look like when the angel of the Lord appears before 185,000 men. I don't know if they laughed, but we do know that they mocked God before. You know, who has, who will deliver you, right? They say to him, to King of Hezekiah, who will deliver you? All the other gods have failed. The gods of wood, the gods of stone, the gods made from human hands. But they do not know that this God is the one and true God, the only God, the Lord of hosts. So imagine that they're pointing their bows at Him, that their spears are ready, and their chariots are ready, right? Before the angel of the Lord. It says that He breaks the bows. He cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. 
Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts, the angel of the Lord is with us. I remember when I first like looked into the context of the story, man, it brought me to tears. Because I don't know how many times we've sang Psalm 46. And I know it's not exactly the same. But just a little information as well. You know, this Psalm 46, it is directed to the chief musician. And, you know, as the commentaries I've read, they have all pointed out that usually when it is said that, um, man, there are other things, I can't pronounce some of these words, but pretty much that this psalm, uh, when it was saying, that it wasn't just saying, uh, I don't know, normally. Like you, Spurgeon and others point out that, man, they had the best. They wanted this psalm to be saying, uh, man, just they wanted it to be powerful because these words are powerful. They pointed out that that there were maybe you know different two different choirs that there were. I think there's I think they said the twelve virgins, meaning that they were just women singing really high, and they had other choirs and a bunch of instruments because this was directed towards the chief musician, meaning that that this music that this psalm would be sang with so much effort and that it would be just a demonstration of God's power. Um, because you think of this, you think something like this, a psalm like this, it shouldn't just be saying, you know, where you're just kind of, you're scared to sing because you may not sound good or that that you think you don't sound good. Now this was, this is a psalm where we see the angel of the Lord fighting for His people. Christ fighting for His people who appeared and slayed 185,000 men. And I'm sure it was nothing, right? I'm sure it was nothing to the angel of the Lord. To Christ. And again, you know, we know that those who are trusting in Christ, those who have trusted in the angel of the Lord... Uh, the battle has been won. It has been, we just need to fight, right? The battle has been won. Or the war has been won. The battle still needs to be fought. Um, but those who trust in Christ, when Christ comes back, um, when, when, when He comes back, you know, we will be with him, glory, with him in glory. But when He comes back, to those who are not trusting in Christ, it will be a similar situation that we see. You know, in this psalm. The angel of the Lord, he was slaughtered once again. And the angel of the Lord we see now in this was not the angel of the Lord that we saw in the New Testament, but it will be the angel of the Lord that is coming back. Um, but uh, in, in closing, I just re- want to remind you, just summarize this. We see that he is He is our refuge, our shelter, and He is present. He is here. He he hears us. His Spirit lives in us. He is present here with this now. This is the people of God. He is present whenever the people of God need Him. And that we may trust in Him regardless of what happens. 
Neither natural calamities nor the threat of the nations like the Syrian army can shake God's people. Because they, we, us, you, you have an abundant supply of the presence of the Lord. The Lord of hosts, the God of Jacob, the angel of the Lord. So rather, if we are in a plague or if there was an army coming against the United States, or just anything were to come against us, just know that we can meditate on passages, passages like this, where He says, Be still and know that I am God. And though you may be shaking, you may be terrified, the important part is where you're standing. Is it on Christ? Is it on Christ? I know we forget that, but that's why we may, we might meditate on verses like these. It's to be reminded that our God, the angel of the Lord, the Lord of hosts, has saved us from the worst thing that could possibly happen to us. And He has rescued us and transferred us into His kingdom. So guys, trust in the angel of the Lord that that we have a mighty fortress, a bulwark never failing, a foundation that will not fall. Um, Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for showing us beautiful passages like this that the angel of the Lord fights for his people and has fought and has won. We have won. We are yours forever and ever and ever. God, thank you for this day, God. I just pray that we meditate on this passage throughout the week. In your words, for you are the Lord of hosts. In Christ's name I pray, amen.